Jesus said, Behold, I come quickly. 2,000 years ago, his words came to pass. AD 70, Jerusalem surrounded by armies. The temple destroyed. Sacrifices ceased. The end of the age. So where are we at on the prophetic timeline of history? Jesus said, All authority in heaven and earth has been given unto me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. And that we have been made kings and priests to reign here on earth. The Revelation Red Pill, the kingdom of God is now. For yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, now and forever. Amen. Welcome back to Revelation Red Pill Wednesdays. We're your hosts, Leah and Michelle. We are so excited that you are here. We're going to dig deep, deep. into prophecy fulfilled. Deep. And in some places where I had spelled it wrong, prophesy fulfilled. And then I had to go back and fix it. You know they're really close in how they're spelled. Prophecy, prophesy, tomato, tomato. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. All right, so I am really excited about tonight. This has been a really long time coming. Daniel is a foundational book. Like you like you said in, in what you were writing for the show today, a lot of people go to Revelation and they're ready, rip-roaring, ready to go. We're going to interpret the Bible. We're going to interpret the end times. We've got all this stuff. And then they go to Daniel and they're like, okay, so I know what this means and I know what this means. Is it China? Is it Russia? Is it the United States? Yada, yada, yada. And they're really trying to figure it out. And you literally put, as you're dropping everything here, none of the above. But what's so cool about Daniel is that it is one of the most accurate prophetic books like to the point where they don't even think that Daniel wrote it because it was too accurate. He could not have been the one to write it because too it had cool. to happen after the fact. Too cool for school. You're too cool for school. Yeah, let's start with prayer. God, I just thank you so much uh, for your word. I thank you that you reveal things to your prophecy, prophesy, <laughs> I thank you, Father God, that there's so much in here that we could dig forever and still not come yes, to the Lord. end of all these good things because you're constantly using this um this book that you've given us to speak to us so i just pray right now tonight specifically that you reveal to everybody listening and to us even today mm. uh what is the meaning of the four kingdoms that you had daniel prophesy and how do we apply this to our lives today and can we um move forward with your kingdom so i just Say, welcome, Holy Spirit. You inspired, you divinely inspired Daniel to write these words down. You divinely appointed times so that they would be fulfilled. And I ask you to reveal that. We say, welcome, Holy Spirit, Father God, uh, the Ancient of Days. Come and speak to us. Reveal to us the, the plan that you have had since mm. the beginning of the world for your son, for salvation, for redemption, and for setting up a kingdom um, and may your will be done here on earth as it's done in heaven. We dedicate this time to you and we just open up our hearts to hear from you. And Jesus name, amen. So the Kingdom Roundtable this week. So good. Was phenomenal. And we're going to shift gears. Not really shift gears. I would like to say we're going to go into a new gear. We're taking it. Have you ever dri driven a stick shift? Almost all of our cars are. Well, I guess not with the little minivan. You know, you drive a stick shift. Yeah. You you get to the point where you're putting the foot on the gas. Yeah. And it starts to get that high rev and you know you, you got to shift. shift. So, here Revelation Red Pill, 
we are shifting into a higher gear where y'all are going to need the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Yeah, so required viewing, if you so choose to move no, forward. No, no, How can it be required viewing and if you so choose? If you so choose Don't to move choice. forward. Okay. If you want to move forward, if you want to bring the kingdom. Yeah, your hair go. looks really nice. Doesn't Thank you. Hair look really Thank nice? you. I just took it out of braids. Um, it was all muddy and weird. Um, it's probably weird mud in there right now. Go required viewing if you want to advance the kingdom. I've heard from a few of you, not many, but a few of you, who are saying, I still can't hear from God. Yeah. I still don't know where my position is. I still don't know how to advance the kingdom. Well, you got to back up. Okay. Go watch Kingdom Roundtable from this Monday. Get baptized in the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues because I'm going to tell you something. You won't know your place until the Holy Spirit reveals it to you. And you're not going to get that revelation until you're baptized in the Holy Spirit. So you can keep coming to me. You can keep asking me. Okay. But I can't help you any farther mm. until you get baptized in the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues so that you can have those. Here's the thing. Advancing the kingdom comes through the revelation of the Holy Spirit. And you know who I know had the baptism of the Holy Spirit? John Adams. You know why? Hmm. Because he had the gift of prophecy. He did actually. Yeah. So, it's not necessarily that you have to speak in tongues. I encourage everybody to speak in tongues because it's a prayer language. But you'll know you're baptized in the Holy Spirit with two, two um, kind of evidences. Number one, you're going to move in the gift of prophecy. It's interesting. Uh, John Adams foresaw, it was July 2nd that he foresaw it. He said, this day I foresee for infinity people going outside, shooting off fireworks, shooting guns, and celebrating this day with July seconds and picnics and seventeen seventy six. So so he prophesied it. Yeah, he's a prophet. He was baptized in the Holy Spirit. Yeah, he, they had a lot of prophets. They didn't even know they were, and I don't even think they knew they were baptized in the Holy Spirit. There's a difference between salvation and the baptizal, baptism. I was actually in the Holy just going to ask you to, um, to 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 talk about that for a second. While we're waiting for everybody to come, we are going to get to Daniel. It's going to be an awesome show. Uh, but this is part of the awesomeness of the show. Are we going to tell the testimony of our dear friends at the end of the show? Okay, so. Stick around to the very end because you're going to hear a story that is going to blow, blow your, your mind. mind. Yeah. So, real quick. Salvation comes through faith. Hmm. The baptism of the Holy Spirit, moving of the Holy Spirit comes through yielding. Ooh. Okay? You don't need faith. Come on now. You already got it. You already got the Holy Spirit. You just need to activate the Holy Spirit within you. All right? Activation. Turbocharge. Turbocharge. Oh, right? Everybody wants to be turbocharged. No thanks. Don't want the turbocharge. You have to ask for it. That's the difference, right? Yeah. And um, Paul said to Timothy, do not neglect the gifts that were given to you with the laying on of hands. There's an impartation. Uh, wherever we go, we've been laying hands on people, praying for them, and receive the Holy Spirit. Our friend uh, Dory got baptized in the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues. At Why is that important? Survival boot camp just on Sunday. Why is this important? Daniel, you know, they don't really call him a prophet. They call him a seer. Mm. Very interesting there. But when um, Jesus came, we all become kings priests the testimony of jesus is a spirit of prophecy so you can see things holy are we writing new works of, of the bible no 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 but here's the thing if the, in the old testament god would warn his people of things to come he's going to warn us of things to come how much more how much more and and i think also a lot of it has to do people want to believe that these these words in the old testament that these prophecies are happening right now because everybody wants to know what's what's happening it's it's in us and you can, you know, with, um, Paul, he was, they, they knew that he was going to be killed in, um, Rome. Right. 
And he said, I got to go anyways. And he was. Okay. But sometimes somebody can prophesy something and have a, have a wrong interpretation. They're like, hey, this guy, this prophet bound his hands. They're going to go, you're going to go bound. Don't go. And he's like, yep, go on. Your prophecy's correct. So your interpretation's wrong. I got to go. While you're speaking, my mind and my spirit are going a thousand mile a, minute, mile a minute. Now we are going to be talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit moving forward in Revelation Red Pill. You guys have been with us. This is our 13th week. So you're ready. It's ready to shift into high gear. That being said, though, the fact that we're launching into this new gear with Do I publish this or did you already publish it? I did not publish it. You may publish it. Just click publish. Is this the same one? It's I don't know. Is it the same one? You said you were gonna edit there it. There was no, no 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 there was two. You need to go to the one that you did. So just make sure that you're under it the has one no that, title. Did you make a title for it? Yeah, I will. Okay. Um but there was another one up there. So make sure you're in the right one. Because I was gonna do a second one. I never deleted it. There's only one up here. Okay. All right. So as you're talking this is so fitting for us to be talking about Daniel, who, which is a completely prophetic book, right? And the gifts of the spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues. And so what the Lord was speaking to me literally right now as Leah was going over all of this is that there are so many modern end times theorists that believe in modern end times theology that look to the book of Daniel as prophecy that has yet to be fulfilled you ready for this? And yet they tell us that the gifts that were given to the disciples were only for that time because now we don't need the spirit of prophecy. But if we don't need the spirit of prophecy, then why are we waiting for prophecies to still be fulfilled? So you don't get to have it both ways. I have literally never seen that before. When it comes to modern end times theory, they're waiting for these prophecies to be fulfilled. And yet a lot of them do not walk in the gifts of the spirit because we don't need the spirit of prophecy right now. That was literally only for the disciples. Well, if we don't need the spirit of prophecy right now. Then why are we waiting for prophecies to be fulfilled? Because we don't need it anymore. Are y'all picking up what I'm throwing down here? Well, the, the they're fact saying of the that these is, prophecies can No, but you don't fulfilled. get to have it that way. Well, they're saying you, there's no new prophecy. You don't get to have it that way. Says you Michelle. don't get to you don't get to They're say saying there's no new prophecy, but you don't get to say we still need to have prophecies that need to be fulfilled, but we don't need to prophesy anymore. Like it's it's all well, prophecy. and that's true. You know why? Because what you're saying is that um, they're trying to say that this is this is Russia or this is China. Well, that would so have, that would are require that? prophetic words, right? Yeah. So, so my point is, we do need the spirit of prophecy, and we are to walk in the gifts of the Holy Spirit, and we are to analyze prophecies that have been fulfilled, and when we do so, it will show us what the voice of the Lord sounds like in our own lives. So as you're listening tonight, I want you to be asking the Lord, God, give me that spirit that Daniel has, that spirit of prophecy. So listen with your spirit man to what Daniel was being spoken to, and you will catch that it's all the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit that shows you things that are about to come. All right, we got a lot to break down tonight. Let's do it. So let's do it. I want to go into Daniel's uh, four kingdoms and the four beasts. So everyone, please, 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 please go get your Bible. Get if you have Bible. highlighters, go get highlighters. If you've got pens, everyone should have a pen. Get a notebook. Okay. I want you guys to be taking notes. Come with me. Highlighter. We are, we are going together. You are going to want to write these things down because you're going to go and want to go back. You're going to want to read because there's a lot in this. I, um, I'm going to give you a, a taste of what we're going to cover. All right. Number one, Daniel's four kingdoms, Babylon, Medes and Persians, Greece, Rome. 
the stone. There was a stone taken out of a mountain without hands. God threw the stone at this creature that was a head of gold, chest of silver, legs of uh, brass and, well, thighs or whatever, and legs uh, and feet of iron mixed with clay. I'm going to, what? I'm going to just edit this title here. Okay. So they know that this is the blog. All right. Uh, you going to call it study notes? Yes. All right. So study notes. Come with me. Follow along. Now, this has been adapted. I took a different route when I did this before. So in 2020, when we did this, I did Daniel 70 weeks first. And then we did the four beasts and the four kingdoms. We're reversing that this time around because I feel like laying the foundation here on the four beasts and the kingdoms is going to give us a better understanding of Daniel's 70 weeks. But we are going to touch on Daniel's 70 weeks because that is the crux of where the in modern end timers, they go. Daniel talks about 70 weeks, 490 years, and they break that off and they say up till Jesus Christ, we had... 490 years or 489 I'm, I'm gonna get I'll get to it I have it broken down in my blog um, I'm more concerned of what really happened but they have these timelines basically and Daniel's 70 weeks stops at the last week and has yet to be fulfilled I am going to prove to you beyond a shadow of a doubt that that is impossible you cannot take that from the text and we're going to lay a foundation with the beasts and with these four kingdoms. When you understand these four kingdoms, you will be able to share the gospel as you should be able to with the Bible and these things fulfilled like never before. Okay. When you understand and you tell your friends and family mm. that AD 70 fulfilled Matthew 24 to the T, to the T, and we've already proved that to you. Jesus is a prophet and he prophesied something. So he's at least a prophet. Yeah. And if he prophesied that, then he's the Messiah. Okay. With Daniel, he prophesied the rise and fall of kingdoms of a span of years of 500 years. Wow. There are Christian universities that... I think are satanically led when they do this that say because Daniel was so accurate in predicting the rise and falls of the Medes and Persians, the rise and fall of Alexander the Great, mm -hmm. and then in addition the four generals that uh, took over his kingdom to the T, and then he goes into greater deal, detail in Daniel chapter 8 on the Medes and Persians. It's impossible. How is this possible? It, he mu This had to be written after at least Alexander the Great. Okay? No, 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 no. He's just that good. He's just that good. God's that good. God's that good. I'm going to back up a little bit. And I did this before. And we're going to do a little bit of a precursor. If you're new, this is going to help make a lay a foundation for you. If you have been here for a while, this is going to lay more of a foundation for you. And I want to go over, before I go over in, into the, into, um, the beasts and into the four kingdoms. I want to show you what modern end times theology says about Daniel two 
in Daniel chapter 7. Now, give you a little bit of history. When was the book of Daniel written? Okay, so the book of Daniel was written about 70... Daniel went into captivity somewhere around um, between about somewhere around 605 BC. That's when and maybe the, the first, some people say he was in the first uh, uh, captives taken. So that might have been a little bit before that, the fall of Jerusalem in 605 BC. This was a huge deal. Babylon, it was prophesied. Jeremiah prophesied it. Jeremiah was part uh, of the of seeing the fall. It was a very sad thing to see the fall of Jerusalem. Daniel gets taken with who? His buddies, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They learn the language of the uh, of Babylon, the Babylonians. They also learned how that the, the seer saw. And in Babylon, they had um, seers, they had um, astrology, they had astronomy, they looked to the stars for a lot of things. It is well known that the three wise men used Daniel's prophecies and probably some other writings that were missing, okay, to accurately predict this star of Bethlehem. That's right. kind of something interesting that we are missing. Is is the kind text of. is the text big deal. is the text that they used. Right. He got they had to have gotten those from Daniel. Right. Right? That they would follow the star, it would be over Bethlehem, or well, it would go they, they followed the star and then it would to was Bethlehem. Over Bethlehem, to Bethlehem. Where the Messiah would be born. And they got that from Daniel. Right. Everything about Daniel is prophesying for the Messiah. It's the most powerful, beautiful time. And God gave Daniel kind of a look of what would happen in AD 70. Mm. And when Jerusalem was sacked, basically, by the Babylonians, it was a precursor, basically, to what, or type and shadow of what would happen in AD 70. So that's Daniel. Daniel is in Babylon. He's in Babylon for 70 years. And the book of Daniel was probably written in the last decade of his life. He actually was alive to see some of the captives go back to Jerusalem. Um, he lived for he lived for a very long time. All right, I want to go to the last. So, where do we get the term eschatology from? We get it from eschatos, uh, where we get the term, uh, which means last, and her uh, hamera, which is days, so last days. I so, have just put the link to this blog or study guide in the chat so mm -hmm. if anybody wants if you've got like a laptop or something and you want to follow along you can do that just click on it or you can just go to resistancechicks.com and you'll see it there. definitely follow along go ahead and, and and pop pop that up you guys so we're going to study how daniel talked about the last days he said latter days a lot yeah last days latter days all right so let's go to hebrews chapter one god who at various times and in various ways spoke in the t uh the time past to the fathers of the prophets prophets has in these last days Spoken to us by his son. Mark that down. Underline it. He says these last days. Whom he has appointed heir of all things. Underline that. That's going to be important. Heir of all things. These last days. This is a Hebrews. We don't know the author of Hebrews. He just made coffee. Uh, <laughs> through. Just kidding. Through whom he also made the world. 
who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of majesty on high. So has Jesus purged us of all, of all sins? Yes. Is he seated at the right hand of the most high? Absolutely. Okay. I want you guys to underline that. There's going to be a time we're going to read about the ancient of days. Do you believe with me? Write this down. Ancient of days is the most high. Yes. So we are talking I want, I want you guys to be thinking of Daniel as we go through this and thinking about how this might fit into Daniel. He has purged uh, our sin, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become so much better than the angels, as he has by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. For to whom did, of the angels did he ever say, you are my son? Today I have begotten you. There is a term used over and over in the New Testament. Jesus refers himself to what the son of man mark that down i just want you guys to write down on your paper son of man son of man this is we take for granted that jesus came in the flesh right is it hard i believe it is hard to imagine this god that you served bernie bush god the god that abraham talked to would have a son i don't know are you plugged in i am plugged in We're back. We're back. Okay. Don't know what happened there. I watched it. It just, it literally just fell. Okay. Crashed. The system crashed. But Daniel, okay. Will it just bring back well, up? Well, it, yeah, it'll bring back up. I'm just not going to screen share the following along. Oh, shoot. That's okay. what I was trying to do. Oh, shoot. Okay. All right. That's, we can dig, we can dig it. Um, but Daniel prophesied. The son, that there would be a human being. That's why he kept saying son of man. Right. For to which of the angels did he ever say, you are my son, today I have begotten you. Psalm uh, 2, 7. And then Paul, Acts 13, 33. And again, I will be to him a father and he shall be my son. But when he again brings the firstborn into the world, he says, let all the angels of God worship him. And, the angels, and to the angels, he says, who makes his angels spirits and his ministers a flame of fire. But to the son, he says, your throne, O God, is forever and ever. To the Son, to the Son, to the Son, write this down. Your throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is a scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated lawlessness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness more than your companions. Companions. All right. The kingdom has come. We're laying a foundation when we get to, to get to Daniel. The kingdom has come. Mark 1.1. 1, 1. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, as it is written by the prophets. Behold, I will send my messenger before your face. Malachi 3, 1. Who will prepare your way before you. A voice, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make his path straight. John came baptizing in the wilderness and preaching a baptism of repentance for remission of sins. Then all the land of Judea and those from Jerusalem went out to him and were all baptized by him in the Jordan River, confessing their sins. Now, John was clothed with camel hair and a leather belt was around his waist and he ate locusts and wild honey. And he preached saying, there comes one after me who is mightier than I, whose sandal strap I am not worthy to stoop down and loose. I indeed baptize you with water, but he shall baptize you with the Holy Spirit. And it came to pass in that in, in those days that Jesus came from Nazareth to Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan and immediately coming out of the water. He saw the heavens parting and the Spirit descending upon him, above him like a dove. Then a voice came down from heaven, You are my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Immediately the Spirit drove him into the wilderness, and he was in the wilderness for 40 days and tempted by Satan. And was with the wild beasts and the angels ministered to him. Now, after John was put in prison, Jesus came to Galilee, Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom. 
he was preaching the gospel of the kingdom of Daniel. Okay. And the other prophets, but the one book that they all really looked to that was very concise about the coming of the Messiah was Daniel. And he says, the time is fulfilled. If you've got your Bible, underline the word fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. I want you to underline the word, the words kingdom of God. And I want you to really highlight at hand, meaning it's right here. If you have something at hand, it's in my hand. It's right here. Repent and believe in the gospel. So the time is fulfilled. What time? Daniel 70 weeks, the weeks, the ones he was told to shut up. And we're going to get to that next week, I believe, to seal up until when the time of the end. Hebrews tells us that that time had come. The end of Yahweh speaking and working through one race of people, but bringing in all into Abraham's promises. The time all the prophets spoke about, the coming of Christ, the Messiah, to set up his ultimate covenant, not to do away with the old, but to build upon it, to make a new covenant, this time with all the people from every tongue. Now we're going to do Galatians 3, 5, one more time. Go ahead, Michelle, read it. Therefore, he who supplies the spirit to you and who works miracles among you, does uh, he does he do it by the works of the law? Or by the hearing of faith, just as Abraham believed God and it was accounted unto him for righteousness. Therefore, know that only those who are of faith are sons of Abraham. So dispensationalists teach that there is a breaking up of the Old Testament and that those who are not ethnic Jews do not partake in all the promises of Abraham, such as the land promises. Paul refutes this idea, verse 8. And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel to Abraham beforehand, saying, In you all the nations shall be blessed. Did you catch that? God taught Abraham the gospel, which is Christ coming to reconcile the world to him to make two one, both Jew and all the nations. So then those who are of faith are blessed with believing Abraham. Whatever promises God had for Abraham, he has for anyone. That's not part of the scripture, is it? No. Who is a believer in the Messiah? That, that was you that put that there. <laughs> 15. Brethren, I speak in the manner of men, though it is only a man's covenant. Yet if it is confirmed, no one annuls or adds to it. Now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. He does not say and to seeds as of many, but as of one. And to your seed, who is Christ. And this I say that the law, which was 430 years later cannot annul the covenant that was confirmed before by God in Christ, that it should make the promise of no effect. For if the inheritance is of the law, it is no longer of the promise, but God gave it to Abraham by promise. All right. So we have been over the promise. I think you guys have that solidly underneath your belts. All right, so love. What are we're going to sum up all the laws, which is to love the Lord your God with all your heart and love your neighbor as yourself. All right, so you are Abraham's. Now, if you're watching on Facebook, we did that stream got cut, so it'll be in two parts on Facebook. If you're watching this back later on, you missed like the first 20 minutes. Ah, bing. All right, so this is what an end timers say about the book of Daniel. Okay, so this is what they say they say the dispensation that followed the law was the dispensation of grace. They were saying the dispensation of Christianity is the dispensation of grace. But the prophet Daniel prophesied that the dispensation of grace would be a parenthetical period within the dispensation of the law. So what they're saying is there's the law, there's grace, the law again. <laughs> okay. 70 weeks are determined upon thy people and upon thy holy city, Jerusalem. To finish the transgression, to make an end of sins, an end of sins, and to make reconciliation for iniquity. 
and to bring in everlasting righteousness and to seal up the vision and the prophecy and to anoint the most holy. Now, this is what the dispensationalists say. Note that, note first that the prophecy is about Daniel's people and Daniel's city. And this is the future history of Israel and Jerusalem. This is what they say. Know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the commandment to restore and to build Jerusalem unto the Messiah and the prince shall be seven weeks. And I really wish you could show them this. Um, three score and two weeks. The street shall be built again and the wall and even in troubled times, Daniel 9, 24 through 25. So here they have a list. Okay. Six things that would be accomplished in the 70 weeks or 490 years. They have finished the transgression to make an end of sins, to make reconciliation for iniquity. Then they take a break. Uh, uh, and they say, this has not been fulfilled to bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal up the vision of the prophecy, to anoint the most holy. Has Jesus been anointed the most holy, Michelle? Yes, ma'am. I believe he has. For the church points one through three, they're saying at the cross, the church needs no further redemption. They are saying the church, the church, the church, they separate the church from Israel. Don't do that. Don't ever do that. We are one with them. Okay. Paul, Peter. Jews, we're one with them. Stop doing that. Stop doing that. It bothers me. I hate it. It is not God to say the church as in the Gentiles and a few Jews that come in and then God's going to deal with Israel later. God dealt with Israel in 70 AD. So Done. It's over. Points Finished. four through six are accomplished at the second coming and the millennial kingdom that follows. That's what I they say. I didn't need to get so excited okay. there. I'm sorry. The interval point between the point, um, point um, three and point four, four started at Pentecost and continues to this day. They say, and they have made this up because it is not in the Bible, but that is the dispensation of grace or the church age, which is not prophesied anywhere in the Old Testament. It's not prophesied in the book of Daniel. They have inserted that into the text unto where it does not belong. And it, it's just not there. It's not in the book of Daniel. It's not anywhere. How come the church, this giant 2000 years of you and me, God doesn't care about us. Mm. He never talked about us. Mm. He never prophesied about us. Wrong. We're nobody. We, you know what, though? In the, in, the, in the Old Testament. We don't even count. And I think, you know, after 12 episodes, we have laid a pretty solid foundation that not only are we somebody, but we are the be all and end all. And what I mean by that is the body of Christ and the expansion of the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God, of which we are members and participants and uh, the body of is the be-all and end-all of everything. Yeah, so they say they say the dispensation of the law was to be interrupted for an intermediate period by the dispensation of grace. At, and that's not in the Bible. They make that up. That's what dispensationalists make up. That's why it's called dispensationalist. Um, by the dispensation of grace, after which the dispensation of the law has one more week to run. Mm-hmm. Wait, really? And after three score and two weeks shall Messiah be cut off, but not for himself and the and the people of the prince that shall come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary and the end thereof shall be with a flood and unto the end of the war desolations are to be determined daniel 9 26. hey leah tell me we're going over daniel 2 and 7. yeah but i want you to get where to the point where you understand what the dispensationalist belief mm -hmm. on 2 and 7 and i'm giving you why they believe that a little bit here with what they believe and, and like well what tell me about the Daniel 70 weeks and what we're supposed to believe on it next week okay while you just took that pause and thought I want to address one of the comments in the chat here because this is really important so for, already yeah no seriously we haven't even gone anywhere I know but it's not about Daniel 
So Floorman says that, um, he says, what do you suggest if binge watching, listening brings out negative emotions? I listened to the first seven episodes yesterday. It was like I walked into a wall of negativity when I walked into my house. Ooh. It's not done. Hang on. It is a sincere question. I was hoping for references to scripture for softening my heart. I wasn't referring to your content, just my reaction to Aww. it. I didn't feel it at work while listening, but like walked into a funk when I got home. I remember what the Belgian guy said about evil reacting to the truth. God knows I qualify. And so while you're listening, Floorman66, I wanted to just say this. You answered your own question with the last comment that you gave. This happens to me all the time. When we go through the fire, right, we are being cleansed and it is kind of painful because God's burning away um, a lot of things inside of us. And then when you get home, you are then confronted with all of the things like your home has a lot of baggage to it. All of our homes do. Your home can either be a sanctuary or it can be a place where you've got to deal with a lot of emotions. You've got to deal with your past and things like that. This is what I would say to you. Just keep listening because as you continue to listen, God is going to refine you. He is going to build you up. He is going to strengthen you and he's going to be take. Here's, here's the deal. With those seven episodes, you just went through a surgery. All right. And then you get home and it's so, like, whoa. So this is, it's very biblical. So when the seed is sown, yeah, it falls on good ground mm-hmm. and it springs up and it springs forth. It might fall to the wayside, might fall on on uh, thorny thorny ground. Now, what are those things? It says if it, the seed falls on thorny ground, then the cares of the world or the deceitfulness of riches might riches might come up and try to choke it out. Yeah. It also says that the enemy can try to come and steal the word. Yeah. Now he can't if you are on your guard. So what we're gonna do is we're just gonna pray. So, Father God, I lift up floor man. I plead the blood of Jesus over his mind. Yes. We just bind against Satan. We cast him out. Any negativity from his house right now in Jesus' name. Holy Spirit, I just ask you to bring your peace to his house right now. And all the cares of the world, I pray that you just lay them bare right there at the foot of the cross and say, Jesus, take this burden. I just speak peace into the storm of his life. And the cares of this world and the negativity, we just rebuke right now in the name of Jesus. We send back to the pit, pit of hell. And Holy Spirit, we just ask you to engulf his room with your glory right now in Jesus' name. And for everyone listening, I ask for the same thing. You know, I will say this, Amen. floor man, when I get a word from God, I get in the presence of God often. Something will come, somebody will call, something will happen. And you know what that does for me? It actually should encourage you. Oh, I went somewhere. I'm doing something. The devil yeah. wants to stop me, but he can't stop you. Okay. Yeah. If you, if you just go to God, resist the devil, he shall flee. There's a couple things that we do. We say, peace, be still yeah. to the storms. And then just say, Holy spirit, I welcome you into my house. I plead the blood of Jesus over my house. Angels. I just ask you to come and surround my house. And Isaiah 41 10 says, you can also cast out any evil out of your house in Jesus name. Now, if you missed the first part of tonight's show, remember, go and watch Kingdom Roundtable. I think it's episode 11 or 12, because for future reference, I want people to be able to remember to go back and watch it, but about being filled with the Holy Ghost. When you get the baptism of the Holy Spirit, then when these things arise, you'll be able to utilize those tools to deal with it. Awesome. Okay. So, so we're at, um, Daniel nine twenty six. They, the dispensationalists say that because the angel is speaking to Daniel about his people, that he must mean Israel and that God must uh, deal with Israel separately still in the future. That's not scriptural. 
They also believe that the temple must be rebuilt and destroyed once again. They are also urging millions of Jews to go back to Israel for two-thirds of them to be slaughtered in the last days. And we've covered this. Hal Lindsey is one of those guys. He wrote the book, The Lake, Lake Great Planet Earth. And sometime in the near future, we're going to go over modern end times movies, books. I think you guys will really enjoy that episode. Um, but until then, just know that Hal Lindsey in the 70s wrote a book that millions have read and actually led a lot of people to Christ, but through fear that he was coming back at any time. So in that, you need to understand how Lindsey and these dispensationalists say that the Bible contains numerous proper, prop, prophecies that foretell certain conditions and events that will occur in the world prior to Christ's return. He continues saying that as these things occur, they are to serve as signs and reminders that we are in the error of the weather Bible cause and time. And that's where people get this. That's how this spread so far. How Lindsay believed, believes a prophetic event that officially begins the end times is the regathering of the Jewish people to their ancient homeland for, to form an independent nation after a prolonged worldwide dispersion. He states that the establishment of the state of Israel in May 1948 is the fulfillment of this major prophecy. He also states the last seven years, the end times is a period known as the tribulation, which he, which is, you know, in Matthew 24. In the late great planet Earth, Lindy, Lindsay wrote that the biblical prophets identified certain nations, okay, this is what we're talking about in Daniel, that would ally with other countries to form four major spheres of political power. This is not true. When I'm going to break down Daniel for you, these are four separate eras of time, not four nations that come together at the same time. Mm -mm. Okay, that's completely made up. I don't even know how he came up with that. During the how? I don't think it was God. Uh, during the same era that Israel would be established as a nation. That's not even in the, the, the timeline either. Okay? these The four kingdoms come before the reestablishment of the kingdom of God. Mm -hmm. Not at the same time, not after. Right. The, 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 he has it inverted. He has the nation of Israel being restored. Then these four kingdoms coming together. That's not in the text. It's completely inverted. You need to know this what the end times theology on Daniel 2 and 7 are not just wrong. They're dead opposite wrong. It's, it's a lie. It's, you can't read the, this that way. It's impossible. It's literally backwards. It's like, it's backwards. It's like saying Jesus was 33 when he was born. Like, it doesn't make sense. Benjamin okay? Button. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Like his crucifixion happened when he was born. It's, just, it's all backwards. It's totally backwards. So this is what he does. Because he wants to fit in this end times prophecy by reading the newspaper. He said that these nations and their allies can be identified. Russia with its allies, China with other nations of the Orient, Egypt with other Middle Eastern countries, and alliance of Western European nations. Okay. All he did was take geographical areas. Ooh, I'm super smart. Okay. According to Lindsay, the alliance of the Western European nations is a revived form of the ancient Roman Empire. Predicted in the books of Daniel and Revelation symbolically as ten horns and ten kings. Nowhere, you guys are going to see in the book of Daniel, is there a revived nation. Right. And only the, 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 the legs of iron are revived. Are the four other revived? I guess he does say that they're revived. Like, they're all revived. And I've heard that as a kid. These have to revive and it's America, blah, blah, blah. Um... In the late great planet Earth, Lindsay quotes from a 1969 Time Magazine article that the goal of the European Economic Community, which preceded the European Union, was to establish a 10-nation economic community. 
Lindsay concludes, based on this and other sources, that this alliance will help cause the fulfillment of this prophecy and will ultimately be ruled by the Antichrist. It, I, I understand where these people are going, okay? But it's wrong. It's dead wrong. Stop it. Don't listen to that. Don't let it get stuck in your head. Lindsay noted that the prophets did not refer to the United States of America directly or indirectly. Ooh, convenient, right? It means America won't be here. How many of you heard that? I've heard that my whole life. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, America's not in the Bible. You guys are in, it's not sane. Babylon, which one's Babylon, by the way? Um, I guess that's the Middle East. Which one's Greece and Rome? I don't know. He concluded, which one's Asia, by the way? He concluded that this is an indication that the U.S. will no longer be a great geopolitical uh, power in the time of the tribulation. Well, good fooey. Okay. <laughs> um, our founding fathers foresaw something different, that this nation was going to be great and, and, and continue to be great. Uh, in a later book titled 1980s, Countdown to Armageddon, you know you can, be, you can have self-fulfilling prophecies. He indicated that he believed it was possible that the Battle of Armageddon could uh, occur in the not-too-distant future. That was in the 80s. Um, you're right. It wasn't too long ago. I might have been born then. Just a baby. The decade of the 1980s could very well be the last decade of history as we know it. Wow. Glad I'm still here. He noted again that there's no reference in the U.S., to the U.S. in the Bible prophecy, neither is there a, a, a reference to Russia, you crazy nincompoop. Oh, you just said it. He listed a few scenarios that seemed plausible to him at the time. A takeover by the communists, a dis- destruction by a surprise Soviet nuclear attack, becoming a dependent uh, of a, the 10-nation European community. And the book was a New York Times bestseller for more than 20 weeks. More failed predictions. A generation in the Bible is something like 40 years. This is correct, a correct deduction that within 40 years or so of 1948, all these things could take place. What's this a quote from? This is from the late great planet Earth. Many scholars who have studied the Bible prophecy all their lives believe that this is so. Jesus said, within this generation. Remember? The most important sign, nowhere in Matthew 24 does it say... That the kingdom, that the, that the nation of Israel will be restored, and within that generation, it will be dest- it'll be what I with love, it, it'll be destroyed. But here's what I love about this statement. Follow that. Wait. Follow that. Follow that logic. I'm following it with what I'm about to say. It makes no sense. I love that they believe that in a generation means in a generation. Jesus just wasn't talking about that generation. No, but they they believe there. Nowhere in Matthew 24 do you see. All the Jews coming back, and then within a generation, Israel being destroyed. I know that's made up. Right. That's not in Matthew twenty-four. But if don't mess with me, don't mess with me. But Leah, here's where it comes to: you don't know what you don't know, and why people erase history. Because if you can erase what happened in seventy A.D., then if it didn't happen within a generation of Jesus having said that. Because we believe that he means within a generation, then and nothing happened in 70 AD, then they have to think, okay, well then Israel has to become a nation, the temple has to be rebuilt, and all of these things that Jesus just said have to happen again, and it has to happen within a generation. But it doesn't say that those things will be rebuilt and then destroyed in a generation. But in order for them to actually happen, then they have to be rebuilt and destroyed. But my point is, guys... It happened once already, but they the, have erased okay. it from Christian history. The most important sign in Matthew has to be the restoration. This is continued from the late great planet Earth. Has to be the restoration of the Jews to the land in the rebirth of Israel. Even the figure of speech, the fig tree, 
has, has been a historic symbol of national Israel. When the Jewish people, after nearly 2,000 years of exile under relentless persecution, became a nation again uh, in 48, the fig tree put forth its first leaves. You lie like a dog. Jesus said that this would indicate that he was at the door, ready to return. Then he said, truly I say to you, this generation will not pass until all these things take place. What a generation. Obviously, in context, the generation that would see the signs chief among them, the rebirth of Israel. Obviously, nothing of any biblical significance happened in 1981. And for that matter, nothing noteworthy happened seven years later. It was presumed that in 1988, during the 40th anniversary of Israel's reestablishment, the strategic end time events would transpire. Countless futurists were predicting the rapture and other apocalyptic scenarios. Somebody wrote a re 88 reasons why the rapture will be in 1988. Edgar uh, uh, Wisnet. Wisnet. Uh, only if the Bible is an error am I wrong. I say unequivocally, there is no way biblically that I can be wrong. I say that to every preacher in town. If there were a king in this country and I could gamble with him with my life, I would stake my life on Rosh Hashanah in 1988. Wow. After his September prediction failed to materialize, Weizenot changed his determination to Rosh Hashanah 1989, publishing the final shout, Rapture Report, 1989. This is a pattern that Weizenot would later repeat in 93 and 94. Despite his impassioned pleas, the rapture and his cataclysmic understanding of the end times never manifested. As the year 1988 and 89 and 93 and 94 passed without major incident, apocalyptic teachers looked ahead to 2007, the 40th anniversary of Israel reclaiming Jerusalem, 1967. With this pivotal date in the crosshairs, Tim LaHaye wrote the um, Left Behind series and Jerry Jenkins noted the following. If we use the 1948 or the 1967 date, apply the span of a person's lifetime, given or taken 10 years for the person to see and comprehend the events, then subtract seven or more years from the tribulation and in turn, interim period between the rapture and the signing of the covenant with Israel, we come to the same time period for the return of the Lord that many others have suggested our generation. Uh, nevertheless, to the dismay of the dispensational premillennialists, 2007 also passed without incident. Despite their feverish insistence, the apocalypse clearly didn't transpire within a generation of 48 or 67. Because of this, many who held a cataclysmic view were forced to rethink what a generation was. Now it's 70 years, 100 years. Nobody really knows. All right. Now, also remember that to the, there's a two-thirds reference of getting all the Jews into the land. It comes from Zechariah 13, 8 through 9, where the Lord says, In the whole, whole land, two-thirds will be struck down and perish, and one-third who, who are left will be brought through the fire. This refers to Israel. The phrase, the fire, is thought to be the refiner's fire. And some names that some people think is the Great Tribulation. That means two-thirds of the Jewish people will die sometime before the Great Tribulation. A careful reading of Zechariah 13, 8 through 9 shows that this two-thirds will perish sometime between the scattering that took place after the crucifixion and the beginning of the Great Tribulation. One interpretation of this has six million Jews killed in the Holocaust representing the two-thirds, but it's also possible that this uh, many Jews could die during the seal and trumpet judgments of Daniel's 70 week. No matter how you calculate it, the fact remains that Daniel's 70, 70th week will be the bloodiest time uh, the people on earth have ever experienced. That's from the dispensationalists. So Tim LaHaye is a renowned prophecy scholar, minister, and educator. He has written over 40 works of fiction, and these works have been published in over 30 languages. His wife, Beverly LaHaye, is a conservative activist. Hal Lindsey's book, The Late Great Planet Earth, is bestseller in the 1970s. In order for the fulfillment of the end times to occur, all the Jews of the earth must return to Israel so that two-thirds of them can be slaughtered, according to the evangelical interpretation of the Bible. And so they say, as for us 
uh, Jews, the tribulation itself was the time when God made Israel pass under the rod, according to Ezekiel 20. God says, I will bring you into the bond of the covenant. I will purge the rebels from among you and those who transgress against me. I will bring them out of the country where they dwell, but they shall not enter the land of Israel. Then you will know that I am the Lord. Zechariah 13 says two thirds of Israel would die so that those left all of Israel be saved. That's from Tim LaHaye's Glorious Appearing, page 367. Zechariah predicts that one third of the Jews alive during this period will be converted to Christ and miraculously preserved. In the whole land, says the Lord, two thirds shall be cut off and perish and one third shall be left alive. And I will put this one third through the fire, refine them as uh, one refined silver and test them as gold is tested. They will call on my name and I will answer them. So Tim LaHaye says, um, uh, they are my people and they will say the Lord is my God. According to the doctrine of the premillennial dispensationists, as well as the literature written by LaHaye and Lindsay, Jesus will call the true Christians of the earth to heaven 3.5 years before his tribulations take place. The tribulations will be a time of suffering and death dealt out to the non-believers on the earth. The Christians will get to ascend to heaven without having to die and enjoy an eternal paradise while everyone back on earth is suffering. Now, Yet this prophecy cannot come to pass until all the Jews have been gathered into the state of Israel. Therefore, the evangelical support of Israel is not merely some token of goodwill. It is a fulfillment of prophecy of mass slaughter. It's disgusting. There are currently 4.5 million Jews in Israel. If two-thirds of these were to die at the time of the Great Tribulation, that would mean that 3 million Jews would be killed. If we're counting all the Jews in the world, about 14 million people, we're talking about 10 million people dead. And then there's an article from Newsweek which pretty accurately sums up uh, Donald Tr it's written uh, during 2020 when Donald Trump made Jerusalem the capital of Israel. And it talks about this, that the evangelicals want all the Jews into Israel so that they will be slaughtered and died. Um, this is so disgustingly awful. Let me read a comment here from Floorman. How accurate is the JFK assassination information in one generation? How accurate could a new definition of known scripture be 1,500 years later? Mm. Jesus was accosted and accused by the religious leaders of his day. He came, uh, he came to offer up eternal salvation, and they killed him. Acts 2, 23 says, This man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge, and you, with the help of the wicked man, men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. Acts 2, 36. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. Jesus said straight to the religious leader's face, all the blood of the prophets would come upon that generation. And we've covered that. So I'm going to skip over that a little bit. We did that in Matthew 23. Uh, I'm going to skip a little bit over Galatians 4. Um, but it says, for Galatians 4, 4, go ahead and read that. But when the fullness of the time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. Awesome. All right. And so we're going to go to... Daniel, so we just read Galatians 4.4, 4, and you just said the word, when the fullness of the time had come. Okay, so we're back in Daniel. Are you guys ready? We're ready. Buckle up. Okay. So what is the fullness of the that, time? Of the time. Come. Daniel 9.25. Where's the funny part? Right here. Okay, know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the command to restore and, re and build Jerusalem until Messiah the Prince, there shall be seven weeks and 62 weeks. The street shall be built again and the wall, even in troublesome times after the 62 weeks. 
and Messiah shall be cut off, but not from him, by himself or for himself. And we read the we read the rest of it. We're going to go over this next week, but I want you to understand there is only one dispensation. We are in the fullness of times. Ephesians one seven. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the richness of his grace, which he made to abound toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of the times, he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are in earth in him. That's right now. So that dispensation is the word what? oikonomia the management of a household or of household affairs the management oversight administration of another's uh, property so that's what he means by the dispensation the fullness is fulfilling and keeping of time is the word karos of certain of uh, uncertain affinity an occasion a set of proper time um, and to gather together is to sum up so we've got the management of these household affairs the stewardship uh, the administration, the fullness of the management of affairs. Of the household of what, Leah? God. Okay. And who was the household of God that we were fulfill we were filling up, we were fulfilling the fullness of time of a specific people and house that he was dealing with, with which is Israel. Yeah, exactly. Colossians 1, 19. For it pleased the Father that in him all the fullness should dwell and by him to reconcile, which reconcile is apocatalasso, bringing back to a perfect place of harmony, all things to himself by him, whether things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of his cross. So what does that sound like? He says he's going to reconcile all things. He says that he should, he has. This is he something that, again, the fullness of time has come. This has already been fulfilled. The fullness of time, a half a time? No, we just the So whole, if I have time. a full glass, can I put more in it? No. It's the fullness. So is there anything else that needs to come? The fullness of Daniel has come. It's come. It's right here. It's Here's right the deal. now. They're calling God a liar because they're actually saying the partialness of God has come. Yeah. The partialness of the fullness. Yeah. And he says, say. he says in verse 21, what? And you who once were alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now he has reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and blameless and above reproach in his sight. If indeed you continue in faith, grounded and steadfast and are not moved away from the hope of the gospel, which you heard, which was preached to, preached to every creature under heaven of which I, Paul, became a minister. So now is judgment come. If I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. John 12. Write down John 12. Go ahead. Jesus had just raised ladders from the dead. And then it says, The next day, a great multitude that had come to the feast, when they heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem, took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him and cried out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, the King of Israel. Then Jesus, when he had found a young donkey, sat on it, as it is written, Fear not, daughter of Zion. Behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. His disciples did not understand these things at first, but when Jesus was glorified, they remembered that these things were written about him and that they had done these things to him. Now my soul is... No, no, no. We're going to oh, stop. Pause. 
So then go on, verse 27, Jesus is uh, saying, Now my soul is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour, but for this purpose I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven saying, I have both glorified it and will glorify it. Therefore, the people who stood by heard it and said that it had thundered. Others said, an angel has spoken to him. Jesus answered and said, this voice did not come because of me, but for your sake. Now is the judgment of this world. I'm going to repeat that again. Now is the judgment of this world. I'm going to repeat that again. Now is the judgment of this world. Now the ruler of this world will be cast out. And if I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. Wait, that kind of sounds like a rapture to me. Kind of sounds like Second Thessalonians 4. I'm just saying. This he said, signifying by what death he would die. The people answered him, <laughs> we have heard from the law that Christ that the Christ remains forever. And how can you say the son of man must be lifted up? Who is this son of man? So mark that down, underline that son of man, son of man, son of man. Okay. And Jesus said to them, a little while longer, the light is with you. Walk while you have the light, lest darkness overtake you. He who walks in darkness does not know where he is going. While you have the light, believe the light, believe in the light that you may become sons of the light. These things you went too far. <laughs> Jesus spoke and departed and was hidden from them. So we're going to go, we're going to go forward and then we're going to go backward. Pause. No. Nope. Um, KJ says, where are you in Daniel? Well, actually right now we kind of went back to the gospels. So we started in the gospels and we, so we were just reading from John 12. Um, you went way too far. We're reading from John 12 and now we're going to Daniel chapter seven. So if you're in Daniel, don't go to John. Come back just to, to Daniel, okay? So wait, hold on. Just to recap, because I don't want to confuse you. Jesus was just talking. He, he was saying, now is the judgment of the world. Now is the Son of Man going to be lifted up. And now we're going to go back to Daniel to talk about the Son of Man. So what we did was we went to Ephesians, Colossians. Um, Colossians, John, and I wanted to set a stage of the New Testament, okay, of these fulfillment, fulfillment scriptures so you could have that in your bones. So now when we go into Daniel, we're going to go a little bit backwards, okay? So I'm going to start with the Son of Man, and then we'll get into who the beasts are. But I want to set a stage so you understand who the Son of Man is, okay? So Daniel chapter 7 um, what is, uh, he say here? I was watching in the night visions and behold one like the son of man coming with the clouds of heaven. He came to the ancient of days and they brought him near before him. Then to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion, which shall not pass away and his kingdom, the one which shall not be destroyed. All right. So the three wise men had been using the book of Daniel that prophesied the coming Messiah some 500 years later. Daniel's book is so accurate that they found Jesus at the right time at the right place. And you can't show them this picture. I um, can. Let's do it this okay. way. Uh, I want you guys to see the identification of the four kingdoms here. Daniel's book is so accurate that some people say it couldn't have been written when it was written. So what we see in the book of Daniel is an almost obsession with these four kingdoms. Is it only the picture you need? Because I could just download that's it and upload it. one of them. Yeah, that's fine. Uh, that would rise before the coming of the Messiah and the fifth kingdom being the perfect reign of the Son of Man, Jesus the Messiah. God not only gives Daniel different vineyards. No, you can do no, it. fine. Watch this. 
different visions of these kingdoms in different ways. He gives them to Nebuchadnezzar, a dream which none of Babylon's seers could come up with. So we're going to read through this and then we're going to break it down so you have it in your in your mind and your spirit. Daniel uh, 2 verse 8. So come on, we can open up our Bibles. Here we're going to Daniel 2. This is exciting. We're now, we're now jumping into the four kingdoms. When you guys grasp this, you could probably have kind of chucked the first part of this if you wanted to. Um, but here is the meat of, of today. When you see this, all of Daniel is going to make sense to you. Almost the whole Bible of the New Testament in AD 70 is going to make sense to you. This right here is a, the crowning jewel of me talking about the end times because I feel like when you get these kingdoms, everything will make sense. This is definitely the biggest piece to the puzzle, and it's the easiest one to understand. The book of Daniel, it's only um, uh, 12 chapters. If you can, read it all at once or read it in two days. Just let it sink into your bones. Read it in the ESV or however simple you want to just read it. Um, but when you read it this way, it's going to make a lot of sense. And i tell you what else will help it make sense. Um, this archaeological Bible, which is kind of still says that there's an end of times. Um, it's not like a perfect 8070 Bible, but it has so much in, in it, the archaeological study Bible, because these things literally did happen. So I'll tell you, um, this Bible here helped me. Can you see that? The kingdoms of Daniel's prophecies. Um, this Bible helped me break this down. Uh, it's so beautiful. Okay. Daniel 2.8. So you want me to bring that back up? Yeah, you can read. But there is a God in heaven who reveals secrets. And he has made known to King Nebuchadnezzar what will happen in the latter days. So let me just back up. I apologize to you guys because I don't want to infer that you know what we're talking about. Okay, for those of you who do not, Daniel taken into Babylon with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they rise up because they're so smart, they're so intelligent, and Daniel interprets Nebuchadnezzar's dream when the other seers cannot. So I'm just going to back up. In the second year of the reign of Nebuchadnezzar, he had dreams. His mind was troubled and he could not sleep. So the king summoned the magicians and the enchanters and the sorcerers and the astrologers to tell him what he had dreamed. And when they came in and stood before the king, he said, I have had a dream that troubles me and I want to know what it means. And you know what they said? They said, tell us your dream and then we'll interpret it. And you know what he says? What does he say? Can I just sum it up or do you want me to? Yeah, read just it? sum it up. He's like, no, no, you tell me my dream and interpret it. And so they couldn't do it. They couldn't do it. Um, and the king says, I, I think you're just trying to gain, gain time, gain some time. And the astrologer says, no one on earth can do what the king is asking. No king, no king can do this. So the king not, got no, not no king, or no, no one. No king has ever asked anybody to interpret a dream that he doesn't tell what the dream is. Okay, so he was going to kill all the wise men in Babylon. So the decree was issued and uh, to put the wise men to death. And the men were sent to look for Daniel and his friends to put them to death. Uh, when Arioch, the commander of the king's guard, had gone out to put the de to death the men of Babylon. So I want you to understand that this particular vision is was your his life was on the line. Yeah, literally. And Daniel spoke to him with wisdom and tact. Okay, and you can get this kind of wisdom when you're filled with the Holy Spirit. And he asked the king's officer, why did the king issue such a harsh degree, de decree? And the, he told him, hey, 
you got to you got to know the dream and you got to interpret it. Then Daniel returned to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Hananiah, Mishael, Azariah, and he urged them to plead for mercy from the God of heaven concerning this mystery. So he gets together mystery. with all of his dudes. Remember, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and Daniel were all buddies, okay? They were like Serge, Corey, Jason, Leah, Michelle. Yeah. And they're like, dude, y'all, we got to get together. We got to pray. We got to pray this thing through because we all about to be killed. Yeah. So then God shows it to him in the middle of the night. And I feel like this was, this was it. This sets the stage. For getting this this vision and this dream. This is important. You got to understand. Put yourself in it. My life's on the line. I'm going to God. Yeah. What is happening? And I'm going to tell you guys something for your own life. You might be in a really sticky situation uh -oh. because God wants to show up greater than you could ever imagine. Come on. But there are those times when it, you're pressed... Go in and seek wisdom. With your family. With your family. Get okay. Your Shadrach, Meshach, it and could be, it could be that when that horrible thing is headed your way, mm -hmm. God wants to show up in a mighty way. Now, sometimes it's an attack from the enemy. Sometimes it's your own sin. And sometimes it's for the glory of God. That's right. Right? So he says, praise be to the God, uh, to the name of God forever and ever. Wisdom and power are his. And go ahead and read 21. He changes times and seasons. He deposes kings and rises up others. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to the discerning. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what lies in darkness and light dwells with him. I thank and praise you, God of my ancestors. You have given me wisdom and power. You have made known to me what we asked of you. You have made known to us the dream of the king. So here he goes. He's like, don't kill him. Don't kill him. Take me to the king. I got it. I now got it. I got it. notice how he says, you have made known to us. Together, they yeah. got it. Together, they got it. So uh, the guy takes Daniel to the king. He's like, oh, I got a guy for you. And it's pretty cool. And the king asked Daniel, who was called Belshazzar, are you able to tell me what I saw in my dream? And he said, no wise man, enchanter, magician, or diviner can explain the king the mystery about he has asked about. But there is a God in heaven Come on. who reveals mysteries. And guess what? He showed King Nebuchadnezzar what will happen in the what? Days to come. Your dream and the visions that pass through your mind as you were lying on the bed were these. As your majesty was lying there, your mind turned to the things to come. And the revealer of mystery showed you what is going to happen. As for me, this mystery has been revealed to me, not because I have greater wisdom than anyone else alive, but so that your majesty may know the interpretation and that you may understand what went through your mind. So that you can understand what went through your mind. Your majesty looked and there before you stood a large statue, an enormous dazzling statue, awesome in appearance. The head of the statue was made of pure gold, its chest and arms silver, its belly and thighs of bronze, its legs of iron, its feet partly of clay and partly of iron. While you were watching, a rock was cut out, but not by human hands. It struck the statue on its feet of iron and the clay and smashed, and, and clay and smashed them. Then the iron, the clay, the bronze, the silver and the gold were all broken to pieces and became like chaff on a threshing floor in the summer. The wind swept them away without leaving a trace, but the rock that struck the statue became a huge mountain and filled the whole earth. Now, here's the cool part. We don't have to think that this is Russia or China or anybody else because the next line says... After you, another kingdom will arise inferior to yours. Next, a third kingdom. Wait, wait, wait. There's 36. Oh, sorry. This was the dream, and now we will interpret it to the king. Your majesty, you are the king of kings. Ah, that's the head. Babylon, gold. The God of heaven has given you dominion and power and might and glory. Wait, what? The God of heaven. No, no, no you're going to explain it. God himself 
sets up kings. Come on. God himself has dominion. If you guys take away from understanding, you have to understand that God was working in the world, the whole known world at the time. And when we say world, you have to understand it's the known world of that area. Okay. Um, of, of that known world of that area. Why is that important? It's important because well, what was happening over in um, the uh, the Falcon Islands or Fiji or whatever, um, Nebuchadnezzar wasn't king over that area. So when we're talking about 87, we're talking about the whole earth and stuff like that. You have to go back to what did Daniel mean by the whole earth? The whole known world. The whole known world. Babylon encompassed like the whole world. But go ahead. So you're you are you are king. You God God gave Babylon dominion. God gave Israel into the hand of Babylon. God did every dominion and rule. People say, well, we don't have dominion. We don't have a rule. God doesn't rule in the earth anymore. Oh, you mean that God ruled in the old Testament all up until the time of Jesus. And then this was like, hands off y'all drive. Let the, like the, no, no, no. God is more in control now than he was in then. And now he has given us the same dominion that he had. Okay, go ahead. In your hands, he has placed all mankind. Wait, how, how many of all mankind? How many? All. all? The whole known world. All. The kingdom shall be preached to what? The whole All the world. world. Okay. And the beasts of the field and the birds in the sky, wherever they live, he has made you ruler over all of, over them all. You are that head of gold. Okay. So we got the head of gold covered. All right. I want you to follow me a timeline and I want you to tell, I want you to repeat my, repeat to yourself. I will follow logic. I will, I follow, will logic. follow logic. I will follow logic. Okay. So we have one kingdom down. Daniel has interpreted. Does Daniel say there, and this will be fulfilled sometime in the future in another way? Type in shadow. No. Okay. Verse 38. This was the, oh wait, no, verse, yeah, 38. After you, another kingdom will arise, inferior to yours. Next, a third kingdom, one of bronze, will rule over the whole earth. Finally, there will be a fourth kingdom, strong as iron. For iron breaks and smashes everything, and as iron breaks things to pieces, so it will crush and break all the others. Just as you saw that the head... The, that the feet and toes were partly of baked clay and partly of iron. So this will be a divided kingdom. Yet it will be, it, yet it will have some of the strength of iron in it, even as you saw iron mixed with clay. As the toes were partly iron and partly clay, so the kingdom will be partly strong and partly brittle. And just as you saw the iron mixed with baked clay, so the people will be a mixture and will not remain united any more than iron mixes with clay. Finish it. In the time of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that will never be destroyed, nor will it be left to another people. It will crush all those kingdoms and bring them to an end, but it will it will itself endure forever. This is the meaning of the vision of the rock cut out of the mountain, but not by human hands. A rock that broke the iron, the bronze, the clay, the silver, and the gold to pieces. That great God has shown the king what will take place in the future. The dream is true and its interpretation is trustworthy. So then Nebuchadnezzar laid on his face. He paid honor uh, to Daniel. Uh, and he offered an offering and incense to be presented to him. The king said, surely your God is the God of gods and the Lord of kings and a revealer of mysteries. And for you were able to reveal this mystery. And then the king placed Daniel in a high position and lavished many gifts on him and made him ruler over the entire province of Babylon and placed him in charge of all of his wise men. Uh, moreover, it's kind of cool. Just side note, Daniel's requ requested the king appoint Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to be administrators of the province. And Daniel remained in the royal court. 
I thought that was I thought that was kind of cool. So do you want me to bring back up the image of the four kingdoms there? Let's see the image of the the, the four kingdoms there. Yeah. So we've got the head of gold, the chest and arms of silver. Now this actually depicts who it is. So the head of gold is Babylon, um, circa. Let me get this big enough so I can see it. Circa um, BC 626 to 539. The chest and arms of silver is the Medo-Persians from 539 to 330 BC. The belly and thighs of bronze is Greece from 330 to 63 BC. And the legs of iron is the Roman Empire um, and 36 BC. Yeah, okay. And so, AD 47, yeah. they say, is the feet of clay, according to this. All one. right. So we are going to go ahead and read before uh, a Daniel 7, and then we're going to break these apart together. So go ahead and read um, Daniel uh, 7, 1. In the first year of Belshazzar, king of Babylon, Daniel had a dream and visions of his head in his, on his night bed. Then he wrote down the dream, telling the main facts. Daniel spoke, saying, I saw in my vision by night, and behold, the four winds of heaven were stirring up the great sea, and four great beasts came up from the sea, each different from the other. The first was like a lion and had eagle's wings. I watched till its wings were plucked off and was lifted up from the earth and made to stand on two feet like a man. And a man's heart was given to it. And suddenly another beast, a second, like a bear, it was raised up on one side and had three ribs in its mouth between its teeth. And they said thus to it, arise, devour much flesh. After this, I looked, and there was another, like a leopard, which had on its back four wings of a bird. The beast also had four heads, and dominion was given to it. After I saw that, after this, I saw in the night visions, and behold, a fourth beast, dreadful and terrible, exceedingly strong. It had huge iron teeth. It was devouring, breaking in pieces, and trampling the residue with its feet. It was different from all the beasts that were before it, and it had ten horns. I was considering the horns, and there was another horn, a little one, coming up from among them before whom three of the first horns were plucked out by the roots and there in this horn were eyes like the eyes of man and a mouth speaking pompous words all right so we are gonna we'll come back to verse nine when we're talking about the ancient of days all right so let's break these puppies down okay because he daniel daniel 2 and daniel 7 if you've never seen it before these are the these are the same visions and Paul does this kind of in the New Testament. He says, um, you guys are like soldiers. You're like farmers. You're like fishermen. You're like um, runners of a race. God wanted to, to really solidify in Daniel these four kingdoms that would rise. 490 years we're going to learn about. And he is showing them the different epochs that are going to happen so that he, his people would be ready and then the Messiah would come. He gives them the exact timing and everything. 490 years and Jesus comes. It's, it's, it, it is so epically awesome. Which goes to the 70 weeks. Yeah. All right. So we're going we're gonna to break down the four, the four beasts and the four kingdoms. All right. So number one, Babylon is a winged uh, lion. So in Babylon, this, uh, the symbol of royalty was a lion. And they have reliefs of a lion. What's very interesting here is that uh, this winged lion, the lion was a recognized symbol of Babylon, uh, Babylonian royalty, as demonstrated by the statues and reliefs of lions excavated from Babylon's ruins. The plucking of the wings and subsequent transformation into a man possibly represents Nebuchadnezzar's illness. He got, went crazy. Mm -hmm. He went into the wilderness and then he came back as a man again. That's true. The second was a bear-like beast. 
raised up itself on one side, uh, verse uh, 7, verse 5, corresponds to the Perdo domination of the Medo-Persian Empire. Okay, you know, Darius the Mede. This is, this is a, the Medo-Persian Empire was one, and Daniel refers to it as one. So then we have this, this, this of silver here. After the defeat of Estegagus by Cyrus II, the fact that the bear is raised on one side symbolizes the ascendancy of the Persians over the Medes. Why is this important? Daniel, God gave Nebuchadnezzar a dream, starting with him and ending with Jesus. Because he wanted his people to be ready. He wanted them to see like, like that Jesus, when the Messiah was going to come. Similarly, the ram of Daniel 8 is very interesting. He goes, so wait a minute. Is this ram another nation? No, the ram is actually another way of describing um, what's going to happen under, uh, with uh, the Medes and the Persians. So um, the, the Daniel 8 is this. Similarly, the ram in Daniel 8 is described as having two horns, one longer than the other, identified as the kings of the Medes and the Persians. So that's what that is. Okay. Daniel 8, 20. Under Cyrus and his son, uh, Cambius, three kingdoms were chewed up as represented by the three ribs in the bear's mouth. Mm -hmm. This is so neat. He saw all of this. Okay. So the bear is the Medes and Persians. Okay. And there are in his mouth three ribs. What are these three ribs? These kingdoms were Lydia in uh, 546 BC, the Chaldean Empire in 539 BC, and Egypt in 525 BC. Now the third beast, this one's my favorite because uh, it's easiest for me to understand and grasp. And it kind of makes the other ones make sense. So we all have heard of Alexander the Great. He conquered the whole known world. And he is depicted uh, as a four-winged, four-headed leopard. So when you think of a leopard, what do you think of? Fast. Speed. Exactly. So this represents the Greek empire, the swiftness and the agility of the leopard. Um, you can see Habakkuk 1.8 on Babylonia symbolizes the speed of Alexander the Great, who conquered all the known world between 334 and 323 BC. After his untimely death, the kingdom was divided I'm going to give you one guess among how many generals? Four. Four. Okay. You had Cassander over Greece and Macedonia. You had uh, Lysimachus over Thrace and Asia Minor. You had Seleucus over Syria and the Middle East. And you had Ptolemy over Egypt. And the, and the Ptolemy, uh, Ptolemy Empire is kind of really cool, interesting um history to, to that in and of itself. At the same time, the number four, uh, you don't really have to take that as exactly four. There were rises and falls. The final kingdom, this one makes the most sense to me. And we are going to cover these 10 kingdoms um, later on as, as we move on. The final kingdom says diverse from all the other beasts that were before it. Okay. This denotes Rome with two iron legs of the image. Um, it may reflect the empire could generally be characterized by having two major parts. The Rome was, or, or um, the Roman Empire was divided where Greek was the principal language, and the other in the West were Latin dominated. The ten horns, in my opinion, there were there were ten Caesars that that lined up there. I think you can find that between uh, Christ uh, right before Christ coming a couple, and then AD seventy. Um, so. 
You've got an interesting motif of the four kingdoms is that they become increasingly large, diverse, and violent and unstable. Babylon is portrayed as highly unified, while Persia has two parts, one dominant over the other, and Greece has four heads, and Rome has a multiplicity, multiplicity of divisions. So this is kind of cool. I'm going to go backwards just a little bit to um, go over um, verse 44. And I believe we read this, didn't we? Yeah. So verse 44 in chapter 2. Are we in chapter 2? I think we're going back to 44 of chapter 2. It's back to chapter 7. So verse 44 of chapter 7. You went too far. Here we, here we go. Okay. And in those, in the, um, I don't think we actually read this one. Did we go ahead and read verse 44? And in the days of these kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed. And the kingdom shall be not be left to another people. It shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms and it shall stand forever. So this is the kingdom message. Before Jesus, God had to deal with kings and kingdoms and God used these kings and kingdoms and we see that God used these kings and kingdoms to punish his people or to bless his people all right but he was saying that after this after these this four these four like dynasties and it would be 500 years that they would reign I'm not going to be dealing with these kings anymore because those dominions and powers now we see the scriptures where we have authority over all exactly Go ahead, dominions and powers. You want to talk about that? We talked about that last year. We talked yeah, about Ephesians. Last week. Last week. Yes. We talked about Ephesians. Yes. Casting down all dominions. So we've got satanic. principalities. We've got places. all these rulers and principalities in high places, and God has already displaced them. These are the dominions. So these are the dominions. These are the domains that Ephesians is talking about. Right. You just now has put together... The two biggest pieces to understand the New Testament on dominions and domains and rulerships. Okay. And I think it's really important to note the words that are being used here. Dominion, domain, dominion, domain. Throughout the New Testament, we see, especially in the Gospels, when Jesus is speaking and when just, you know, when Paul's writing his letters or even in the Gospels, um, we see a hearkening back to the Old Testament and to go to specific phrases for specific reasons. Like Leah is talking about tonight with the son of man, the son of man, the son of man. We just read a bunch about dominion, dominion, dominion. And then we now know that we have all dominion, right? And so look for these same words to cross over. Okay. So now we know in Ephesians 6, 12, for we wrestle not with flesh and blood, but against what? Rulers and principalities in high places. And authorities of this dark world against spiritual forces in what? Heavenly realms. These dominions, God, Jesus has in the days of the kings, uh, uh, in the days of these kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed. Is Jesus' kingdom set up? Yes. Has it ever be destroyed? No. So how can this be in the future? He set up his kingdom and the kingdom shall not be left to any other people, but it shall break in, in pieces and consume these other kingdoms. So people are saying to me sometimes, Leah, you've got your, your, you can't, we can't rule here on earth. We can't, we can't do this. Well, no, we have to, we have to, we take our place. Ephesians six is, is perfectly clear. We don't wrestle with flesh and blood, but these dominions up in heaven, you see, we talk about this with the seat in Ohio, this governor seat is a spiritual seat. Yep. 
any governor over any person, I'm not going to go and try to get Mike DeWine out of that seat or Biden. I may try to vote or whatever. But these seats we need to claim spiritually for Christ in the name of Christ. Right. Um, and so I want to. Um, oh, shoot. There we go. Um, Luke 1, 32. He will be great and will be called the son of the most high. The Lord will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. Does anybody know where that's from? That's Mary's song. Mm. That's over her son. It's, and I don't, you, do you think that she was prophesying like 2000 years later? No. Okay. First Corinthians 15, 23, but each in turn, Christ, the first fruits, then when he comes, those who belong to him, then the end will come when he hands over the kingdom to God, the father, after he has destroyed all dominion, authority, and power for he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death for he has put everything under his feet. Now, when it says that everything has been put under him, it is clear that this does not include God himself who put everything under Christ. When he has done this, then the son himself will be made subject to him who put everything under him so that God may be all in all. He must reign until everything is put under his feet. And let's remind everyone of what Jesus came to preach. He did not come to preach salvation. He came to preach the kingdom. The kingdom, the kingdom. And over and over again, he said, let me tell you what the kingdom of God is like. And every example that he gives means that it starts as something small and it grows and it grows and it grows and it grows. Mm -hmm. It's not something that just comes like it comes instantaneously. But as it builds to expand, it's something that go goes over time. And I think we forget that everyone's thinking, OK, Jesus came, did a halfway work. And then at some point in the distant future, it's going to become instantaneous that his kingdom um, comes. But let's remind ourselves that the Bible tells us consistently and Jesus tells us the kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God is now. The kingdom of God is now. OK, so read Psalm 2, 9, please. Ask me and I will make the nations your inheritance, the ends of the earth, your possession. You will break them with a rod of iron. You will dash them to pieces like pottery. What does that sound like, Leah? We've got the iron and the clay. The iron and the clay. You will. Jesus will. Jesus is the stone. Jesus is the rock smashing the iron and smashing the clay as David prophesied in the psalm. All right. Guess where, guess, uh, guess where that is a, <clears throat> a, a reference from? Revelations 2. Revelations 2, 27. Let's see if that brings that up. So we're going to scroll down here and it says, no. I'm it's not... right there. There was a 27 there. Go back down. Okay. Hang on. Keep going. And read 26. All right. To the one who is victorious and does my will to the end, I will give authority over the nations. That one will rule them with an iron scepter and will dash them to pieces like pottery, just as I have received authority from my father. That is so cool. Every time I the iron see, in the pottery, the iron in the pottery. Every time I see a scripture referenced. So I'm going to put that in my blog here so you guys can see that later. All right. And then we're going to come back to Micah if we have time. But I want you to read Micah 4, 7. Inasmuch as you saw that the stone was cut out of the mountain without hands and that. No, it, no, no. Right here. Micah um, 4, 7. Okay. I will make the lame my remnant. Those driven away a strong nation. The Lord will rule over them in Mount Zion from that day and forever. 
in as much as you no 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 okay, okay, done. Done. okay. Second. done okay all right so that was continuing on these are these were scriptures in between to kind of prove um um their cross references to daniel 7 verse 44 love it did you understand can yes. anybody follow me and you would think leah faith that if what daniel is prophesying is such a big deal that all of these other prophets would then confirm it, including John, the revelator. All right. So now you can go ahead and read verse 45. Inasmuch as you saw that the stone was cut out of the mountain without hands and that it broke in pieces, the iron, the bronze, the clay, the silver, and the gold, the great God has made known to the king what will, what will come to pass after this. The dream is certain and its interpretation is sure. All right, so there's a cross-reference there with Psalm 118.22. The stone that the builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. Okay, I want you to write down stone. Stone. Jesus constantly talked about the stone. What did he say about Peter? You are my rock on which I will build my church. Can you say it louder? You are the rock on which I will build my church. What does he call us? He calls us living Living stones. stones. Do you see... You, the, the coolest thing in the world to me, and I, I want you guys to just be like, God, help me to see what Leah is saying. Okay. I say that all Raise the time. your hand if you can understand in so much as you saw a stone that was cut out of the mountain without hands and it broke in pieces, the iron, the bronze, the clay. Okay. Jesus said to uh, the Pharisees, woe unto those um, who woe well into those upon the where the, the stone falls? The stone which the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. I don't think that's the same part, it's one of them. Okay, all right, so. The stone which the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This was the Lord's doing, and, it, and is it marvelous in our eyes? You see constantly stone over and over and over again. Um, and then woe unto those um, who, I think it's, there's, it's fall on the stone, and then the stone falls on. Okay, Matthew 21. So let's get to Matthew 21 here. Anyone who falls on this stone will be broken into pieces. Anyone on whom it falls will be crushed. What? All right. So I'm going to, I just want to bring up Matthew 21. So here. Isaiah 41 10 says, oh, I see it now. A lot of repetition of words. Kind of like he wanted us to understand something. Yeah, that's very good. So Matthew 21, uh, he taught, he curses the fig tree and he says, um, you can say to this mountain, be thrown into the sea. Mountains represents governments. Okay. The parable of the two sons, the parable of the tenants. Which goes back to a verse that you read from Daniel about the great mountain that then would take over the earth. That's God's government of the increase of his government and peace. There will be no end. Yeah. So this is very interesting. The, going to the parable that, of, of the tenants. And this is why... It's so important to know these cross references and what is being talked about. Okay. So Jesus, Jesus spoke to the people in parables to try to explain the old Testament prophecies. So there was a landowner who planted a vineyard. He put a wall around it. He dug a wine press. This is, um, Matthew 21. 
He dug a wine press in it and he built a watch tower. Then he rented the vineyard to some farmers and he moved to another place. And when the harvest has approached, he sent his servants to the tenants to collect his fruit. The tenants seized his servants. They beat one another. They beat one. They killed another and they stoned a third. Who are those tenants going to represent? The apostles. The prophets. The prophets. The prophets not the apostles. Not the apostles. The, the prophets. The prophets, right. Then he sent other servants to them more than the first time. And the tenants treated them the same way. More prophets. Um, last of all, he sent his son to them. They will respect my son, he said. And when the tenants saw the son, they said to each other, this is the heir. Come, let us kill him and take his inheritance. They thought that they could kill Jesus and inherit the kingdom. So John the Baptist would be included in that, by the way. Yeah. Um, and so they took him and they threw him out of the vineyard and they killed him. Jesus was prophesying what would happen to him. Mm -hmm. And he was prophesying what, would what, what came before him. Okay. Therefore, when the owner of the vineyard comes, what will he do to those tenants? Those who crucified the son. Mm-hmm. Not to another generation. Boom. Write that down. Matthew 21, to those who crucified the son. This generation didn't crucify Jesus. They can't. He's already reigning. Okay. He will bring those wretches to a wretched end. Does that sound like maybe the tribulation? And he will rent the vineyard to other tenants who will give him his share of the crop at harvest time. Then he said to them, have you never read in the scriptures? The stone which the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. And the Lord has done this. And is this marvelous in your eyes? Okay, that is Psalm 18, 22 through 23. You now, mean, you go ahead and read verse 34. You mean 30, 20, 43. 43. Therefore, I tell you, the kingdom of God will be taken from you and given to a people who will what produce fruit anyone who falls on mm. this stone will be broken unto pieces I mean if we fall in on it okay on jesus but anyone on whom the stone falls will be crushed and when the chief priests and the pharisees heard jesus's parables they what what did they know 45 they knew that they were talking about him he was talking about them and they looked for a way to arrest him, but they were afraid of the crowd. So wait a minute. The Pharisees say they knew he was talking about them. This scripture. Okay. This scripture points to Psalm 118. Mm -hmm. It also points to Daniel. They knew the stone. The stone. He's saying. Stone there will be a stone. You. The stone is going to crush you. It's going to crush all the kingdoms, all the dominions, all the power, all the authority. And when it does, those dominions and those powers and that authority is going to be given to a people who will produce fruit. There's no intertestinal period. We're not in the period of grace. We're landowners now. We are reigning with Come him. Come on. I wanted you guys to see that. And please, if you could tell me that you have seen it, that would, I, I think they I finally, <clears throat> this would be the point that I would say, please get this. <clears throat> All right. Study note. Whereas the people of Israel looked for a continual peace after the 70 years, which Jeremiah had declared, he shows that this rest will not be a deliverance from all troubles, but a beginning 
and therefore he encourages them to look for a continual affliction until the Messiah is uttered and revealed, by whom they would have a spiritual deliverance, and all the promises would be fulfilled, and they would have a certain experience of this in the destruction of the Babylonian kingdom. That's a side note. All right. So we have not gotten to the Ancient of Days. I wanted to go ahead and just bring this picture up so that they can see it nice and big. So here are our four kingdoms. So we've got Babylon is the lion with the wings. And then the wings come off and, um, and represent Nebuchadnezzar who became a man. Okay. The bear lifted up on one side is the Medes and Persians. Three ribs in his mouth are the Medes and, and the Persians that went and destroyed three other kingdoms. Um, the leopard is who, guys? Alexander the Great. He had an abrupt end. There were four generals that took over these four regions of the whole known world, by the mm -hmm. way. That's why that's important because... Um, it wasn't a small region. It was the whole known world. And so that's why it was four heads that would come. And, the, and he had to prophesy those four heads because this was, these were long periods of time. And then I don't know why they drew, drew it like that. Looks this like is an extremely story. dreadful beast. Rome conquered even, even more. Okay. Rome was brutal. The teeth of iron, brass nails, 10 horns represented the, the, the line of Caesars. Um, and we'll get to the little horn and the plucked three horns in, in a little bit as we, as we scroll down. I think and if you guys have any questions, feel free to go ahead and put them in the chat. Now is the time to ask the questions because if you're thinking it, it's not a stupid question. Someone else might be wondering as well. So I don't know if they can see this, but here, um, I don't know if you can show them, but I have a picture of, um, from Babylon their depiction their own depiction of a man with a lion with wings has it's kind of interesting got it um the first is a lion with wings we're gonna i'm gonna kind of go over this one more time because i feel like let's get this in your spirit the beast is a cherub or it represents the then present empire babylon cherubs were often depicted as winged bulls or lions that stood guard at the entrances of temples in ancient mesopotamia Ancient Jews used this term to describe those angels that stood in the presence of God, Isaiah 37, 16, Ezekiel 9, 3. In Daniel's vision, the cherub becomes a man. The second beast resembles a bear. This is an appropriate symbol for the Medo-Persian Empire, which crushed its enemies with brute strength. The fact that this bear was raised up on one of its sides represents the fact that the Persians rose to dominance over the Medes in a dual alliance. This point is also implied in Daniel 8.3 in which the ram with the two horns representing Medo-Persian Empire has one horn longer than the other. The fact that one horn is longer than the other again represents the fact that the Persians were more dominant than the, the nominate of the two allies. With the vast army, the second beast conquered Lydia, Babylon, and Egypt and uh, represented in verse 5 by the three ribs in its mouth. The Medes and Persians were allies together and toppled the Babylon Empire. In Daniel 8, the prophet sees a vision of a two-horned ram defeated by a one-horned goat representing Greece. The angel Gabriel interprets this vision to Daniel. And in Daniel 8, 20, says the two horns of the ram represents, and he literally says this. The ram represents the king, kings of Media Persia. There you go. You can't okay. argue with that. If these two, and this is why I say to the end timers, stop it. Stop it. The angel itself said four kingdoms in succession, Babylon, Media, Persia, and 
then you're gonna have Greece and Rome. We don't have any stoppage. There's no Russia in here. There's no China in here. Stop it, stop it, stop it, stop it, stop it. If these two allies are represented by the two horns of one animal in Daniel 8, um, they are in Daniel 8. The third is the four-headed leopard. This is Greece. The leopard with its grace, speed, and ferocity is the perfect metaphor for the small, well-trained, well-equipped, and brilliantly led Greek army that supplanted Persia. After the death of Alexander the Great, the Greek Empire was divided into four kingdoms, each ruled by one of Alexander's four generals. The four generals are symbolized by the four heads of the leopards. And we went over those four captains, um, the chief captains, which had the empire among them after his depths. And we talked about uh, Silentius had Asia the Great, and, and Togius uh, the Less, Cassander, and after him, Antipur was king of Macedonia, and Plutomus had Egypt. Um, it was not of himself nor of his own power that he gained all of these countries for his army contained only 30,000 men and he overcame uh, that he overcame in battle Darius who had 1 million when he was so heavy with sleep that his eyes could hardly open as the stories report. Therefore, this power was actually given to him by God described in greater detail in the book of Revelation. The fourth empire is Rome, the seven headed headed Leviathan. This is what puts together. So this is the cool part. Revelation is an explanation and a deeper understanding of Rome and the 10 heads. It, when you, then the Bible makes so much sense. Stop making it not make sense. Okay. These four kingdoms. And it says the Messiah will come up and crush this last kingdom and it's Rome. And then John the Revelator gives us this beautiful vision and a greater detail of what's happening because so much of what's going to be happening in Rome is so big and so important because this is the time of the Messiah that and when we go to go, th go through Revelation, we'll see that John begins to pull from Zechariah. He's pulling from Hosea. He's pulling from Joel. He's pulling from Zephaniah. He's pulling from Daniel. And he's saying, this is the time. This is the time. This is the time. This is the kingdom. This is the time. This is the time. And he's mostly going to be pulling from that one prophecy. The two prophecies. Well, many of the prophecies. There's more prophecies in Daniel. He's pulling from Daniel. His outline is Daniel. Revelation is Daniel on steroids. Okay? And if I can prove to you that Daniel is fulfilled in Christ, uh -oh. then Revelation is fulfilled in Christ. Boom. Okay? All right, that concludes part one of episode 13. We're just getting started. The rest is fire. Please see the video list on this channel for part two. You don't want to miss it.